one of the most humbling of things as a minister of the gospel, and I believe so as a Christian uh, overall, and that is to simply open the truth, to open the Word of God. I can't think of anything more humbling for God's people than to open His truth. I have found that when I do that, I learn who I am. And when I do that, I learn who He is. And from that, uh, I, I glean uh, much in terms of my own depravity, but also I see uh, in my great need the grace uh, that has been extended to me by God that loves me and sent my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, to die for my sins and the sins of those that would call upon His name. Let's bow our heads together in prayer and we're going to begin hearing from the Lord this morning from Paul's letter to his first letter uh, to the congregation there in Thessalonica. And uh, I pray that the Lord will feed us and give us much to drink from here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for loving us first so that we can love you back. Father, thank you for this place that you have provided, a place where we could come at this time to open your word. Father, where we can be nourished, where we can be watered. I pray, Father, that as we leave this place, Father, that we will be a little better even if it's just a smidge and for no other reason than because we had some time with you and your truth. I pray, Lord, that you will give me the words to say and that you will help me. I pray, Father, that what is shared will be accurate. I pray, Father, that with the help of your Holy Spirit, I pray you will bring it with power. I pray, Father, that you will Help this message to land in the deepest places, Father, and that from there you will shine your light. I pray that today will be more than just an opportunity to fill out a paper, per se, but more than that, that we understand that the Word of God is open and that you have a word for each and every one of us here. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. And it's in Jesus' most holy and precious name that we pray. And we all say together, Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to begin today's message. Our reading will start in verse 2, and we're going to go down to verse 10. It says, We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope and our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, 
and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. When you walk into my office... The title of today's message, by the way, is Chosen to Be an Example. When you walk into my office, my desk where it's planted, purposefully hanging on the wall, directly across from me there on the wall, is a picture of a man. And that man is my grandfather. His name was Howard Muskoff. And he retired from the ministry years ago. He passed away and now is now home to be with the Lord. But he had a powerful impact on my life. The picture is interesting because it shows him sitting in the early morning hours. He's later on in his life, he's in his 80s. And he's sitting at the table in the dining room. And he's wearing his pajamas. And as he's sitting there, and you look at the photo, this is my favorite photo of all time. And he's sitting there at the table, and it's the early morning, he's in his pajamas. He's leaning with his hand up against his forehead like so, staring down at his Bible. It's a very precious photo to me. You know, I grew up, both of my grandfathers were pastors in BMA churches. My father pastored, I had an uncle that pastored in a BMA church. I always told people that I, I grew up with no shortage of example in my home. I knew exactly what it, I did not want to do with my life. And that was to be in ministry. And that's how I know that the example they set was a good one, because my flesh rose up against it. And today I look at that photo and that precious photo of him sitting there in the early morning hours reading his Bible, pondering what's there. In his pajamas. And what people don't know, the unseen in that photo is his failing kidneys and his congestive heart failure. I look at that photo all the time and the reason that photo is blown up the reason that photo is sitting where it's at is because my grandfather was a powerful example to me. Paul was an example, a wonderful, a beautiful example to the Thessalonians. 
They saw his life and they saw the way he lived. We're going to get into that today and we're going to look straight from the Word of God and we're going to see what it means to be a chosen example. See, the reality is, is all of us today, there is no one that has come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, no one that is expected to just sit by the wayside and just watch other people be the example that God's called them to be in His Word. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that calling extends to being that example. We are chosen, chosen to be an example. I had the beauty of seeing that in my grandfather. And I had the wonderful opportunity to listen to my mother tell stories of how she would sit on Saturdays, because he was bivocational, he was a machinist at Texas Instruments, and then in the, in the evenings he would deliver a message on Wednesday nights, he would deliver a message on Sunday mornings, he would deliver a message on Sunday nights, oh how easy do we have it today. He would go and he would visit his congregation in the evening hours and he would reserve his Saturdays to build his message. My mother recalled sitting in the hallway as she heard him on the other side of the door, finger punching to the best of his ability with a limited education on a typewriter so that he could get up and the Lord could use him as an instrument of his righteousness to deliver the message accurately for the people in front of him the following morning. That was my example. Paul says in verse 4, he said, we know, brothers, love, you are loved by God, that you are chosen by God, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, and with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction, and I pray that that's how the message comes to you today. I pray that the message comes in that exact same fashion. But it says, you know how we live. You know how we lived among you for your sake. One thing that would benefit us greatly, there are three things I'm going to share with you about chosen to be an example. With the Lord's help, there are three things that I want us to see and I want us to learn from the text today. One is with the Lord's help, may we recognize a true example. May we recognize the true example. May we seek out that example in our own lives. I had my grandfather as an earthly example. Now this is important. This is at the very beginning stages of our sanctification. You know, this is a journey that begins in God's sovereignty and lands us in the destination of Jesus Christ. Chosen is God's sovereignty. It finishes in Christ. Why? Because Christ is the example, ultimately, that we're going to replicate. That we desire to replicate. He is the true example. Thessalonians had in front of them Paul. So they had somebody to watch. He said, you saw how we lived among you for your sake. How do we recognize a good example? How do we recognize that someone that we can watch 
that we can pay attention to, that we can listen to. I believe that's a lot of the problem that we have in the church today. I believe that's a lot of the problem that we have in, in the academic strongholds in our country today. It's because we have people listening to people they shouldn't be listening to. We have people paying attention to people they shouldn't be paying attention to. We've opened our hearts and minds to things that are not biblical, that are not scriptural. We have traded in the passionate chase after trustworthiness in view of a holy God for trendiness that will appear appropriate to those who are seeking and we have fallen prey to an environment that is not biblical but one instead that is rather than being bent on pleasing a holy God we have allowed ourselves to slowly fade into an environment that is designed to appeal to the world the world has now taking that place of evangelizing the church rather than the church evangelizing the world. There are great implications whenever we are not careful in who we seek out to be our example. Let me tell you who your example is today. Your example is Jesus Christ. Your example is Christ. Your example, if you want to see all about Christ, your example can be found right here in the Word of God. The example is on every page. How do we, how do we evaluate? How do we recognize that true example whenever we look here on this earth at those people that we would seek after to imitate well, we bring them under scrutiny. When's the last time that the church has put their minister under scrutiny? When is the last time that, that we have put people under scrutiny? That we actually bring them to bear underneath the weight of Scripture? Where we evaluate them based on what the truth of the Word of God really says, not what people want to hear. Paul said, you know how we lived. We need that example. I praise God I had that example. I praise God that I have men in front of me that I believe can be an example for me even today. And I thank the Lord for that. But we bring their lives, we bring their message, we bring their motivations, we bring their movements, we bring their methods under the scrutiny of Scripture, and that's how we know whether or not that example is a good one to follow. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy, not willing to take the time to actually think about it, to actually consider what someone says, and then go to your word and make sure that it matches. It's as though we're in a place where we're not even willing to take the time. How many times have I heard people come out of a message somewhere and they said it was exactly what I needed to hear today? You know what? That right there is a red flag to me. How do you even know that it was exactly what you needed today? 
How do you even define that? The reality is, is what you should be getting is exactly what God designed to give you today. Praise the Lord if you find yourself in that place that you're in agreement. But I would never be past the idea or the notion of walking out thinking to myself initially, that's not at all what I needed today. Because maybe my flesh didn't like it. Maybe it wasn't what I wanted to hear. But truly what I needed to hear. With the Lord's help, may we recognize the true example. He says, you know how we lived among you. And we know that they recognize the true example. Because right after that in verse 6. It says in verse 6, it says, you became imitators. You became imitators, why? Because you recognized that we were a good example. Therefore, you became imitators of us. It says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. It wasn't even just about imitating Paul. It was about imitating Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, verse 1 of what? Chapter 11, I believe is where it's at. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, you became imitators of us. Mimetes is the word for imitator. That word for imitator is a follower. You became a follower of us. You began to imitate. You saw the value in the message and the gospel. Why? God brought it to you. God brought it to you with power. He brought it to you with the Holy Spirit. And He brought it to you with deep conviction. You saw an example. You saw us live in such a way that in connecting those things, you saw the value. The Thessalonians, it says here, they saw the value in becoming imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model. With the Lord's help, may we recognize the true example of who is which is Christ, of who is Christ. And then secondly, in verse 6, with the Lord's help, may we imitate that true example. You know, the thing is, as an imitator, I want to draw a distinction here because there's two different words that are used in the Greek. And I want to make sure that we understand the value of both of them today. One of them is in verse 6, and the other one begins in verse 7. Okay, he says in verse 6, he says, you became imitators of us. In verse 7, he says, you became a model. One of them says you became followers of us. The other one says you became an example. The imitator is not yet the example. There is a progression here. I want to make sure that we understand that and see the value of this. What is it that he's trying to communicate? He says, listen, he says, you saw how we lived among you for your sake. You saw our motivations. You saw the sacrifices that we made. Very similar to what he said to, to Timothy in his second letter to Timothy in chapter 3. He said to him, you saw all the persecutions I went through in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. You're well aware of my life, my purpose, my doctrine, my teaching. Okay, you've seen all of this. You know all of this. And then he says, you became imitators. That word imitator, a follower... But then in verse 7, and so you became a model. That's the progression. The progression here is very simple. The progression is that they went from knowing to imitating to modeling, and then you had the spread of the gospel. That's the progression. It started with them knowing, 
Knowing that they were a good example, knowing that the Lord was the true example, and then it went from that to them imitating, and then it went from that to them modeling, and then it went from that to the Word of God spreading because people heard about their faith. And that's what we should be doing as a church. That's what God's people should be doing right there. We recognize the true example. We imitate, and then we model. Now, mimetes, follow, is different than tupas. Tupas is not follow. Tupas is to set the example. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. One who begins in their sanctification early on, who makes that decision to imitate, as they grow, we grow into being an example. It's no different than my son looking at my behavior and at five years old or 16 today deciding I'm going to imitate my dad. I'm going to imitate his behavior. I may talk the way he talks. I may express myself the way he does. I may, I may do the things, you know, I may walk the way he walks. Whatever the case may be, at whatever level he decides to do so, he sees value in imitating me for some strange, odd, weird reason. See, you can't shake your head in agreement because you haven't been around me enough. <laughs> but, is he the example yet? No. You become the example, you become Tupas when there's a pattern. We start imitating. And then what happens as we imitate and as we progress along we set a pattern. That pattern becomes identifiable to other people. Other people look at that pattern. Does that pattern in your life, does it match the Scripture? Does that pattern match the Word of God? Do they agree? Paul's pattern agreed. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Philippians chapter 3. Listen to what he says here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Join with others in following my example. Imitating my example. They're not the same thing. Follow my example. What was the example? That's a pattern that he had set forth. Listen, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. That's the example. That's the example. With the Lord's help, we're chosen to be an example, and with the Lord's help, may we recognize the true example. Christ is the true example. May we know. Secondly, may we imitate the true example. May we imitate Christ. May we, our behavior and the things that we say and the things that we expound and understand when we are given these great opportunities to tell people what the Word of God really means, may all of that be honoring and glorifying to Him. May we imitate the true example. And then lastly, may we be an example worth following. 
That's being a disciple of Christ. This is important. I'm so grateful for this seminary in ways that you have no idea. I came out of an independent Baptist church in a big metroplex where we were bathing, and, I, and, and the same is the case where we are today, bathing in the seeker-sensitive movement. Looking around at every turn and seeing churches trying to figure out how to build facilities or make changes where they no longer look like churches. It's appalling. It ought to be offensive to God's people. That the world can no longer walk into a church and distinguish the church from the world they came out from. Why? Because somewhere along the way, someone exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Why? Because somewhere along the way, someone with some influence found an example somewhere other than in the Scripture. That's why. That's why we're so passionate about bringing the expositor into our discipleship. It's because the questions won't let you get away from the text. That's why. That's why this message is so important. You say, well, Pastor, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty passionate about this. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. If I thought that my volume could actually somehow get it through to you, I could be a whole lot louder than this. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate. I'm very passionate about the Scripture. I'm very passionate about the Word of God. Because that is all we have. This is our life. Why would we find our example somewhere other than here? Let me show you just briefly what happens when you become a, that example. It's right here. Let's look at it for a second. He says, The Lord's message rang out from you. That's what happens. That's what happens. It didn't just, you know, a whisper. I mean, it rang out, it resonated. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, not only in this region, but another, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to even say anything about it, he says, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. But listen to this, please. They tell how you turn to God from idols. To serve the living and true God. And to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You got a beautiful model, a mode of operation for the church and God's people right there. On a continual basis. It's very interesting. It connects a little further up in the chapter. Where? Look at verse 2 and 3, please. Look at verse 3. We continually remember before our God and Father what? Your work produced by faith. 
Turning to God from idols is a work that God does through faith. What else does it say there? We thank God and remember you in our prayers, not only for your work produced by faith, but your labor prompted by love. That's serving the living and true God. That's a wonderful, loving labor, isn't it? He said, in your endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, yeah, see that right there is waiting for his son from heaven who he raised from the dead to save us from the coming wrath. Paul knew when he started the letter right there, he knew about down there. It's a reiteration. And sandwiched in between it is the imperative. Be an example. You're chosen. We know you're chosen for this reason. Now what are you going to do with it? Christian, don't just sit. Chosen. We're not chosen to keep our mouths shut. We're not chosen to sit back and let other people just say whatever they want and not make whatever effort we need to to say what needs to be said to protect the flocks that have been entrusted to our care. Paul was chosen and you take a look at his example and we should follow it. It blows me away when you look at the record in Acts. And you see there what happened in Lystra in chapter 14. In Derby, after they ran him out of town and they left him for dead. And then they walked off and the disciples came around him. He came to, and what does the scripture say that he did? He turned around and he went back. He went back. And then what does it say after that? He went back to the other places. All the way back to Antioch where the whole plot was initiated to begin with. Yes, we need to be an example. But we can't just say, be an example. You've got to point people to the Scripture. So if someone says, how can I be an example? You need to first understand who the example is because there's really only one. The rest of us are all imitators and modelers. It's Jesus Christ. Be a student of the Word of God. I could not be more thrilled than to have the opportunity that I have to spend every day studying the Bible for our church, for our flock. It's not something I have to do, it's something I get to do. I want to be an example for someone in the sense that I want them to be able to see Christ in me. And I want people to see Christ in you. And if they're not, well today is a good time 
Right now is a good time to evaluate why that is. And I just gave you a very simple direction. All you have to do is get in the Bible. Get in your Scripture. <laughs> it really is that easy. I told you at the beginning, chosen to be an example, a journey that has its origins in God's sovereignty and its destination in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what this has been. And it should always be. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I can't thank you enough for your word. I can't thank you enough for the example that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't thank you enough for choosing me, for justifying me, for saving me and sanctifying me. One day to be glorified. Father, I thank you so much for the scripture that we have because without it we would truly be lost. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to be the anchor in our soul and that you will bring this message to a place where it will not easily worm its way back out. But instead that it will stay there. And Father, that it will continue to do a sanctifying work in our lives. In the days and the weeks and the months as they pass. Thank you for loving us first so that we can love you back. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.